Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Luke chapter 3, just reading two verses there. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Now, just in case that raises a question, he was not baptized for the reason that we're baptized. He didn't have to have his sins washed away. Because he who knew no sin became sin for us. So he was baptized for another reason. It was to signal the launch of his ministry. And it was, as he said, to fulfill all righteousness. And so he was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in a visible bodily form like a dove. And it lighted upon him. And a voice from heaven said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. What a moment. What a sparkling moment. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, this is in the same context, the same continuum. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted 40 days by the devil. In those days, he ate nothing. Afterward, when the days had ended, he was hungry. I guess so. Or if you're really hungry, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, notice the question, if. The devil always try to, try to put doubt in your mind about your identity. If you are the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. I can give it to whoever I want to. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord God, and him only you will serve. Then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Which the devil is quoting Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 92. Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him, not forever, but until a more opportune time. Let's read verses 14 and 15 out loud together, shall we? Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So this is the... Luke account of Jesus' severe trial in the wilderness. And we want to study this today, and the Lord's going to help us speak to us. And the topic today is winning or whining in the wilderness. 
Are you winning or whining? Let me try that again. Are you winning or whining in the wilderness? Amen. I'm in a pretty good mood today, but I'm always in a good mood. That's because I married the queen. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever been in a wilderness? Have you ever been in a, not a real wilderness? Don't want any crocodile Dundees to stand up today and give us a testimony. I'm talking about a, a spiritual wilderness. Some of you are nodding your head. You know, Jesus is the ultimate leader and Every challenge we experience in life, he's already been there. Don't ever say, nobody knows the trouble I see. Well, the next line is true. Nobody knows but Jesus. Well, it's half true. He knows, but look. If, you look, if you're in a fiery furnace, if you look down in the ground, you'll see footprints of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you're in a den of lions, you look down, you'll see the footprints of Daniel. And if you're crossing, you know, through a Red Sea, you look down, you, there's chariot wheels down in there. Somebody's already been there. And so Jesus is our ultimate example because everything that we can experience as humans, he, Jesus was not a superhuman. The Bible calls him our brother. If you would have pinched Jesus, he would not have not notice that. He would have said, ouch. His flesh was as real as your flesh. And Hebrews says, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points like as we are tempted, yet he was without sin. So every thought that you've ever had to battle, he battled it. And every emotion you've had to confront and work through he was there. And every uh, chaotic turmoil that you could experience, multiply it by about a thousand because he felt all of our stuff at the same time. He carried all of our mess and all of our anxiety and all of our pain and our questions. He, he's already been there. And so his... Model should encourage us today. Whatever, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through right now, it could be a big, the biggest battle of your life or, you know, just one of them things. Whatever it is, he's been there. Aren't you glad that you know that about Jesus? He's not some high, mighty you know, cosmic bellboy that we call down from, you know, the eons. You know, there's some people that misinterpret God and say that God is immaterial and man is material and God could never be us and he had to create somebody else. You know, Jesus was another person of God and, and because God couldn't really, you know, come down. That's a Greek philosophical approach to God. That's really not the way what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that his name was Emmanuel, which is God with us. 
Amen. Praise God. When John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Amen. That's not trying to separate God from God and consciousness. And, you know, there's, here's God, and there's God, and there's God, and they all sort of wrap up into one God. Listen, you can't have three separate persons and three consciences and consciousnesses and, and still come up with, with unity and with one person. Amen. It is what it is. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto them. No, it's reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. And so, so Jesus Christ was the express image of the invisible God. He was God manifested in flesh. So here's the joy of it. When you go to prayer, you can't say, well, God, I really, you know, you probably don't have any idea what I'm talking about. You know, I'm really the only person that's ever, you know, been through this wilderness and this situation. God's like, okay, when's this going to get real? <laughs> you got to keep it real with God. And it thrills me to know that when I go to him, he's like, I know where you're at. I know how you feel. I felt that battle. I felt that pull. I know the struggle. I know the pain of that. I know the emotional trauma of that. Remember what I did for you? Remember how I showed you the way? You remember that wilderness that I walked through? I know exactly where you are right now. Aren't you thankful you have a God who can be touched, who can be reached, who understands, who's walking with you? Amen. He's not far, far away. He's not some immaterial God, but he swooped down to where we are. He walked a mile in our shoes. Hallelujah. And he was victorious. And because he was victorious, we also can be victorious in Jesus' name. So if there's going to be a wilderness for you, when does it happen? For Jesus, his wilderness came pretty early. Uh, in fact, it started the same day he launched his ministry. That's pretty quick. <laughs> it might have been nice if the wilderness could have waited, you know, a couple days. What a sensational launch. What, a, what an inauguration. Big crowd, crowning moment. His mentor, John, is there. Behold, the Lamb of God. That's a pretty good title. Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. Nobody else could do that. And John identifies who he is. And then Jesus is commissioned and launched and ordained with his baptism into the ministry. And he fulfills all righteousness. And then if that's not enough, there's more pageantry. There's more brilliance. This dove comes down and you know, right over the top of the Lord. And this is a witness that, that this is him. This is the Messiah. This isn't your dime a dozen, you know, sinner that's repenting today. This is somebody special. And then the voice, this is my beloved son. And whom I'm well pleased. That's, that's a pretty good introduction. That's a pretty good launch. Uh, you know, when I got ordained, I got a plaque and a warm handshake. <laughs> and so this is, this is a pretty big deal. So then what? What happens next? Like a little reception in Jerusalem with some cake and punch? 
Now, the Bible says he, he goes back, which we assume means Nazareth, and then he goes out into the wilderness. You think Jesus' thoughts are going through his mind like, what, what just happened here? I just had a big crowd and I'm the Lamb of God and the dove comes and the voice and everybody's impressed and I'm ready to break out some miracles. Let's get into the good stuff and you know, I'm ready to you know, bust out some beatitudes and cast out devils and take spiritual authority and show my stuff. And you know, after all, they've been waiting 4,000 years you know, for me to step on the sea. Be nice to just really get this thing on the road. No, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Doesn't lead him into the miraculous just yet. Not into the supernatural right now. But it drives him into the wilderness. I want to ask you again. Have you ever been in not a wilderness? I'm talking about the wilderness. The wilderness. A wilderness is not something that happens every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade. In fact, according to the model of Jesus, you'll probably only have one wilderness in your life. You will have a lot of challenges. You will have a lot of battles. You will have attacks. You will have resistance. Uh, we're in a hostile, let, let's face it, people, we're, we're behind enemy lines as Christians. And we're seeing that more and more all the time. Are you listening to me over here today? Right. We're behind enemy lines and, and there's always going to be battles and challenges. I'm not talking about the dime a dozen everyday battle. I'm talking about the wilderness. I'm talking about probably one season or if we could call it an epoch. In your life, an epoch is a season that is marked by certain distinctive features that probably are not visible or present at any other time in your life. But it's a very unique, intense time that that can be defined and and there's a beginning to it and there's an end to it. (laughs) Did you hear me today? Yeah. If you're going to walk into a wilderness being led of the Lord. I can tell you that you're not going to be there for the rest of your life. You're not destined to be wandering in a wilderness for the rest of your life. It will have distinct features. You will know when you are there. You know, when Jesus is, you know, when he's walking out into the wilderness, you know, the park ranger wasn't there, you know, with a little welcome center and, you know, you know, punch his ticket and, okay, you are now in the wilderness. No, it was, there was no visitor center. There's no, there's no brochure for this, okay? He's just walking and he leaves Nazareth and suddenly it's like that moment in The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy, this ain't Kansas. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just having fun. Just having some fun today. It's like, wow, this is different. You ever been like that in your walk with God? You know, I know what this is like and that's like, but this is different. Come on, can I have a good Baptist nod at least this morning? That's right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, wow, this is different. This, something feels different. My prayer's different. My my worship's different. My my intensity. You know, I'm talking about Nicole. She's with me from day one on this thing. She knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like, what is going on here? And, and in Jesus' wilderness, there was, you know, it was not an oasis, okay? It was literally, and listen, if you've ever been in the Holy Land, 
You know, first of all, there's not a flat piece of ground anywhere to be found. You think Branson is hilly? Branson is the little brother of the Holy Land. I mean, it's 4,000 foot drop from Jerusalem to the Jordan. 4,000 feet. That's pretty drastic change. That's almost a mile. And Jesus is stepping out into this wilderness. And, you know, it, they don't, their wilderness doesn't look like our wilderness. They don't have cacti like we do and roadrunners and, you know, all the things that we think about for the wilderness. But I'm going to tell you something. He doesn't have a sleeping bag. He doesn't have a tent. He doesn't have a compass. He, he doesn't have a bottle of water. He doesn't have a knife, a gun. He has no weapons. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is a man's man. Pastor Justin, when he was talking a few years ago about Jesus the carpenter, it's not a guy that pounds two boards together. He taught us that that's the word tecton. It means worker of stone. That's a little different. No, no offense to any carpenters here today, but, you know, you want to carry around a two-by-four? Do you want to carry around a, you know, a 40-pound rock and chisel it? You know, there's just no saw can get through that. And, and so Jesus is a worker of stone. And he goes out into this wilderness without any provisions, and he's going to be out there for 40 days. I'm like, where's McDonald's? You know, I'm looking for the water fountain right now. You know, if they drop me off without a tent, a compass, a gun, a sleeping bag, I would be dead by sundown. I have no survival skills. And he, he goes out there, and, and, and it's 40 days. And he's not only fasting, but I noticed something in the scripture. You know, I always assumed, because of what I read, that the devil didn't tempt him until he got to the end. But the text just said, for 40 days, the devil was yapping in his ear all 40 days but he came to him with intensity he came to him in rapid succession he came to him with greater with greater uh, uh, I don't know about authority or, or passion or, or anger the Bible says the devil has come down in great wrath sort of differentiating you know, how he's been up until the last days, but in the last days, he knows he has a short time, so he comes down in great wrath. Can I tell you something? The devil can ramp up his game. Come on. The enemy can get more intense if he wants to, but I want you to know he's not the only one that can ramp up his game. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We can become more intense too. We haven't been left defenseless at the hand of the enemy. The Bible said when the enemy comes in like a flood, Sometimes he comes in like a rain. Sometimes he comes in, you know, like a snake. Sometimes he comes in, you know, just like a little ankle deep. But sometimes he comes in like a tsunami. But the Bible says when he does that, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Hallelujah. I read somewhere where John said, I know there's a he in the world and there's a he in the church. And the he in the world and the he in the church are always at odds and they're always battling. But I got good news for you. The he that is in the church is greater than the he that is in the world and he has not left us like orphans he has not left us defenseless we have weapons we have power we have authority 
You may not be going through anything today. You may not be in a wilderness. Maybe you've never been in a wilderness. But somebody is today. Somebody is. Everybody all right? All right. Amen. So, 40 days. Everybody say 40. Is anybody 40? I think that was Reggie Jackson's number, 44. <laughs> We're coming to you live from Kansas City, Missouri today. <laughs> 40, 40 is a, not, not just a nice round number. 40 is a significant number in the scripture. I'm not big into numerology. You know, the number 12 is significant. The number 7, number 8. Uh, multiples of 12. And the number 40, if I understand it, is the number of testing. 40 is the number of testing. Turn to somebody and say, this is a test. Yeah. Yeah. I have a public church service announcement. If you want to be or are going to be used by God, there will be a test. And the teacher will be silent during the test. And during the test, you will be proven or not proven to be faithful. And in the test, there will be loneliness. And the test, you will wonder if anybody's on your side. In the test, you will suffer and there will be questions and you will doubt. Listen, let me help somebody today. In the wilderness, the devil is going to attack your identity. If thou be the son of God. Who does he think he is to try to get Jesus to doubt who he is? If thou be Three times he asked him that question. The devil will attack your identity. I've heard the devil speak to me, not audibly, but in my spirit. Oh, you think you're a called preacher? Oh, you think you're anointed? Well, let's hear you preach sermon number 14. No, no, not that one. Number eight. Yeah, I like number eight. That, that one's a little more fun. It's got those stories in it. and You know, I've heard all this stuff. Oh, you... You think you're called to preach. He will attack. He will try to get you to doubt. Listen, he doesn't have to overthrow you. He doesn't have to defeat you. If he can get you to doubt your identity and who you are. Amen. Praise God. I want, you know, I'm sorry what comes to my mind, but you know that, that cartoon, uh, the Robin Hood cartoon, and that, that snake is, that's sort of, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I nuts? Okay. Yeah. And he's like, he's got that slippery, what do you call that? Forked tongue. And, you know, he's whispering. That's sort of what the enemy does. He just come at you, try to get you to doubt who you are, where you're headed. Can I tell you, we are people of God and we have a prophetic destiny. 
Amen. We are not wandering. We are not hoping. We are not just whistling Dixie. We're not just spitting in the wind. Hallelujah. We are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. Amen. A peculiar people. We are God's peculiar people. Somebody needs to tell the devil today, shut your mouth. I'm not going to doubt my salvation. I'm not going to doubt the grace of God. I'm not going to doubt, amen, the power of the blood. I'm not going to doubt who my Jesus is. If he brought me in this wilderness, he's going to lead me through it and he's going to take me out of it. Come on, somebody needs to say, devil, you're a liar. Let me tell you why he attacks your identity. identity. Because he lost his identity. He lost his authority. That's why he hates who you are because in some sense, we took his place. He was the leader of worship and we are the worshipers. The Bible says that the the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips and we're gonna praise him forever and eternity and Satan rebelled against God and God kicked him out of heaven and we replaced him. We're now the choir. We're now the worshipers. We're now the people that worship him in spirit and in truth. He hates our identity. And if he can get you to doubt your identity. Oh, I think something's happening right now in this house. (laughs) Praise God. So why does there have to be a wilderness? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just you know, start your ministry and go right to Cana and start turning water into wine. <laughs> That'd be nice. No. Before the water can be turned into wine, you got to go through the wilderness. There's that battle. When former ABI students that are here will remember the first week of school, the president always taught us a lesson. You are not... <laughs> She nailed it. You are not special. That was the title of the lesson. We're like. You know, let me go hide in the corner. The lesson was. It's sort of like the guy. He was selling Christmas cards on the street corner for five dollars. And the guy walks up to him and says, what are you selling? He goes, Christmas cards. He goes. Well, how much are they? And the guy goes, well, to everybody else, they're $5. He goes, oh, and how much are they to me? He goes, $5. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Nobody gets a pass if you're going to use, be used by God. And everybody pays a price. Don't ever be looking at somebody and say, well, I wish I had their life. Oh, I wish, you know. I wish I could do what they do. I wish they had, they got a perfect life. Can I tell you something? Everybody's going through something. I went down to a conference because of the times, if you know it. And uh, I was really going through it. I think it was when we were in our building program. And, you know, building programs, this one won't be near as tough as the first one. Uh, I was feeling really bad about myself. And, in fact, after we built this building, I couldn't even come here by myself for a year. I think I've told that before emotionally you know our mortgage and the square footage and the wear and tear 
I see uh, uh, many of you that were here, here that helped us. And I couldn't go to my office by myself for a year. I was like, I, just, I couldn't do it. If you were here, I could come here. But I couldn't come by myself. I was feeling like a wimp. And I go down to because of the times and feeling bad about myself. And I walked up to Anthony Mangan. I said, man, Anthony, I, I've been going through it. And I take about eight minutes, you know. And I notice he's shifting his ways, you know. And like, you know, you can tell by his body language, he's ready to go. And I'm like, oh, man, I picked the wrong guy. I'm crying on his shoulder. Finally, when I got done, he goes, ah, oh, Stan, everybody's going through it. Let's go have church. <laughs> okay, Job's comforters, thanks a lot. <laughs> and he's my friend. And I told, him that, I, told him, I told him that story. We had a big laugh about it. You know, I was feeling bad about myself, but then it dawned on me, you know, Noah, when he went through his building program, when it was over, he went and got drunk. Well, it's in the Bible. Am I preaching the word, Brother Paul? I'm preaching the word, praise God. And I considered all my options. Just kidding. I used to say, I could, could used to say I never tasted alcohol in my life until I was teaching that Bible study, Brother Gary. I'm not going to go back into that. Thought we were having a Christmas celebration. Thought it was a bottle of alcohol-free sparkling grape juice. And I took a big gulp. And I thought, uh, wait a minute. Can I see that bottle? I wanted to strangle my Bible study people. But I would have done it in Jesus' name. And... <laughs> I told you I'm in a really good mood today. But I always am. I always am. Is this helping anybody today? Is this real? <laughs> we can learn while we're laughing, right? Amen. You're not special. Get over yourself. This is a public church service announcement. There will be trouble. There will be a wilderness. That is if you want to be used by God. Now, if you just want to be a mediocre Christian, if you just want to ride the pine till Jesus comes, if you just want to paint and powder and sing louder and come and go and do whatever you want to do and just hang out and be cool, you know, you know, okay, well, there won't be any wilderness for you. But if you're passionate about the kingdom of God and if you really want to get on the team and if you really want to be used by God and if you want to make a difference in this world and if you want spiritual authority to come in your life and if you, amen, want to do what Jesus said, Tread on scorpions and serpents. Hallelujah. Amen. And put all enemies under your feet. There is going to be a battle. There is going to be a struggle. There is going to be a wilderness. And everybody pays a price. And nobody gets by with a free ministry. Everybody's going to pay it. Amen. But pay it in Jesus' name. Because if you're in a wilderness, that's you're there in the will of God. You're going to come out of that wilderness differently than when you went in. You're going to come out with authority. You're going to come out like Jesus. You're going to come out pre you're going to come out with a supernatural ministry. You're going to come out with anointing. Oh, it's worth it. Woo. Praise God. Oh, man, that's my introduction. 
Now I get to my sermon. Understand what the wilderness is for. Don't try any shortcuts. Forget the notes. Know why you're there. Know why you're there. Develop trust. Confidence in God. Listen. The devil came to Jesus at the end. He will always attack you where you are most vulnerable. He will always attack you at your weakest moment, at your weakest point. How many knows that's the truth? Yeah, he fights dirty. And Jesus is fasting and he's hungry. And he brings three three temptations. Listen, not every voice you hear in the wilderness is the voice of God. And he hears this voice. In fact, God doesn't even speak to him as far as we know. But this, in the wilderness, but this attack was so intense at the end of this sacrifice that angels had to come and revive him and minister to him. You're never alone when you're in a wilderness. Angels are there. They'll be there to fight for you. There's some things they can't do. There's some things you have to to walk through, but they're there. They're watching. And even somehow Satan was aware of that. He even quoted he said, you know, if you cast yourself down from the temple, even, you know, angels will come and bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And not every voice. Listen, what was the attack? You know, it sounded reasonable. You're hungry? Here's rounded stones. Turn them into bread. Have you ever been so hungry? You, you know, you look at a, a rolling pin. It looks like a loaf of bread. <laughs> and you get real hungry. And Jesus sees these rounded stones. They look like ancient loaves of bread. That's, that's sensible. That's reasonable. If you're hungry, here's bread. God, why would God not want you to eat bread if you're hungry? That's what the enemy does. It sounds reasonable. And then he comes to him with this, you know, you, you're going to, I know you're going to rule the world. Why don't you do it right now? I have the power to give you the kingdoms of the world. And you don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to suffer and bleed. Satan will always offer you a shortcut to your destiny. But there is no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And then the third one was, he said, if you'll just bow down, you know, if you'll just, you know, cast yourself down from the temple. He said, you know, you've got gifts. You've got gifts, Jesus. You can just, that was like a 700 foot drop. You know, you see those guys in the squirrel suits, you know, and he was Let's swirl around and swing around Jerusalem about three times, and everybody go, "Whoa, you know who's that? Oh, it's Jesus!" And he just, ta-da! That would be amazing. That's what he's saying. You got gifts. You're like a Marvel comic book character. You can do this cool stuff. See, that appeals to the ego. That appeals to the flesh. You see. 
The thing, one of the things I love about Jesus, he never used his power to help himself, to embellish himself, to feed himself, to nourish himself. He never did it. The only time he used his power was for you, to heal you, amen, to bless you, to bring you up out of the grave, amen, to cure your leprosy, to make your lame legs walk and your blind eyes open. Aren't you thankful he's a selfless savior, amen, who puts everything on the line for us. Know why you're in the wilderness. Listen, a wilderness is no place to make a decision about big things. You got to hear this right now. Maybe this is why I'm really preaching this right now. Hear this carefully. We're living in an epoch of chaos. This country lacks leadership. The world is in turmoil. There's rebellion of the people against the government in France and Australia and other places. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken and more is coming. Have a nice day. It's getting more intense and our government is reaching more into our lives and requiring this and that. I was on a Zoom call Thursday night with 200 pastors and it was on Facebook and it's been shut down. Facebook has censored it. This doesn't sound, this sound like China to me. Where are our freedoms? Where is our freedom of, free, of, of speech? And where is our freedom to practice religion and religious liberties? These, there's something going on. And I'm not a conspiracy person. The only thing I know is what the Bible says. And I know that there's a spirit of antichrist. That's a spirit of control and lockdown. And squeeze you like a python. And we're feeling that. We're sensing that. And it sort of feels like a wilderness. I know we got jobs. I know we're in pursuing careers. I, you know, we're not exactly living in communes and, you know, all sharing a potato. And, you know, it's, I mean, it could come to that. And I'm not making, I'm not trying to belittle that or make fun of that. But, you know, it's, we're, we're surviving. We're getting along. And, and, but there's, there's big things going on. This is a big stage right now. And, and, and I'm just, I, I want somebody to hear this today. A wilderness is no time to be making big decisions. You make those decisions before you get in the wilderness or when you come out of the wilderness, but don't make those decisions when you're in the wilderness. A valley is no place for vision. You can't see anything when you're in a valley except the mountains all around you. When do you make decisions? When you climb up on the top of the mountain and your vision is clear and God has already brought you through. That's why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to change my identity. I'm not going to change my geography. I'm not going to change my theology. I'm going to walk through with the hand of the shepherd in my hand. Hallelujah. And the God that leads me through the valley is going to lead me up out of the valley and I'm going to get on top of the mountain. I want to challenge somebody here today. If you're in a different difficult time, if you're in a tough time, it's no time to decide what church you need to go to. It's no time to decide, well, life church is not the church for me. Listen, I'm going to pastor this church right now. Everybody all right now? I've been having fun, but I'm not having fun right now. This is serious. 
This church is not on the witness stand. This church called the Life Church is not on the judgment stand. We've been here for a long time. We've been doing what we've been doing for a long time. We haven't changed our doctrine, Brother Steve. We haven't changed our message, amen, Brother Havner. We haven't changed our lifestyle. We haven't changed anything. We still love people. We still care for people. We will still give. We will do whatever we've got to do. We have not changed. The epoch of COVID has not altered our destiny. It has not changed our identity. It has not changed our doctrine. We're not giving up. We're not going to lighten up. We're not going to quit. We're not the ones being judged today. People come and go, but the church is here. Not every voice you hear in the wilderness is the voice of God. I don't want anybody to tell me that God told them. It's time to leave the life church. And if you go, because the life church has warts and faults and failures and Wrinkles and spots and blemishes. You think you know so much about the church? Walk a mile in my shoes. Sometimes I want to get up here on Sunday morning and preach to everybody. Because you share your burdens with me. You share your troubles with me. Amen. You share your brokenness. And sometimes God shares things with me. And I don't talk to people about them. They're just prayer agenda items. And I just go to prayer and I, I fight for you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to defeat the enemy for you. Amen. So that God can help you get through something and make it through something. I want to say the church is not being judged today. The Bible said let judgment begin at the house of God. Not to judge the church. And when you find that perfect church, don't you join it. <laughs> You'll ruin everything. You know, the Bible said there was a famine in Bethlehem and Naomi and her husband and sons, they said, ah, it's time to leave. But the Bible says she was full. I know there's a famine, but you're full. Read your Bible. There's a famine. Because she goes out to Moab. She trades Bethlehem, the house of bread, Moab, idolatry, and everything that's with that. Where there's idolatry, there's demonic activity. Paganism, heathenism. She takes her sons, her and her husband take her sons. They marry Moabitesses. And while she's out in Moab, she loses. Her husband dies, her oldest son Malon and Chilion, they both die. Now we got three widows. It's the most hopeless situation in that culture that you can imagine. And she says, I hear that there's bread back in Bethlehem. I'm going back. Am I preaching this with love today? 
I'm preaching with protection. I'm going back. She comes back. It's been 10 years. People see her. They said, isn't that Naomi? She said, oh, don't, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. She said, because when I left the house of bread, I left full. But I spent all I've got out there in Moab. And I'm coming back empty. I'm coming back bitter. But I'm coming back. <laughs> I got an announcement for anybody today. Anybody that's watching, anybody that's here, this is no time to decide what church to go to. It's no time to make a major decision about geographical location. Even if you said something to me today about it, I'm not judging anybody today. I've even gave my blessing to somebody today because, amen, I have the prerogative to do that. Amen. If I feel it's the will of God, then so be it. And I'm not going to be a King Tut and say, you can't do anything until you come and talk to me. If you knew anything about me, you know that's not the way I do business. Somebody said, I'm a cult leader. I said, oh, I know I'm not a cult leader because nobody does anything I tell them to do. <laughs> oh. She said, I went out for, listen, the Life Church has been doing what we've been doing for a long time. I think we're pretty good at what we do, only by the grace of God. What do we do? We love people. We don't judge people. We don't reject people. You can come here any size, any color, any shape, from any nation, doesn't matter. Amen. We all stand equal at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. You can come from anywhere to this, but once you get here, this is it. Amen. This is it. If you can't make it at the Life Church, I don't know if you can make it anywhere. Amen. The threshold is low. Amen. The expectations are low. We love you. We're going to buy groceries for you. We're going to help you do anything we can. We'll put gas in your tank if we have to. We want you to make it. We want you to make it. This church is not on trial today. We've been doing what we've been doing for a long time. Oh. So, the Bible says that when the temptation was over, the angels came and ministered to him. And the scripture says, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. You've been in the wilderness, Brother Vidal. You're going to come out of it in the power of the Spirit. You're doing some good things for yourself. Amen. I'm proud of you. Amen. Stay the course. Praise God. Amen. I pray that God would give me a spirit of a prophet today. Amen. That I could prophesy to you. That I could speak a word that would just help you defeat the devil. Amen. And get another mile down the road in the wilderness. It's not going to last forever. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and he was led by the Spirit out of the wilderness. Amen. Somebody may be going into it. Somebody may be into it. But somebody may be coming out of it today. Amen. And the same way you go in is the same way you come out. Don't abandon ship, Brother Scott. Don't quit. Don't give up. If God led you into the wilderness, he's going to lead you through the wilderness and he's going to bring you out of the wilderness for your destiny to come to pass. Oh, oh. 
Amen. He didn't get to go to Cana until he went through the wilderness. He didn't get to preach his first sermon until he went through the wilderness. But when he came out of the wilderness, the Bible said he went to church. Hear that. Even Jesus went to church. When you come out of the wilderness, come to church and celebrate and let us see what God has done for you. He came out of the wilderness and he went right to the house of God. Oh my. And I bring my message to a close with Jesus' message to the church. <laughs> Would you stand with me? Luke four eighteen. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is his first message. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The devil tried to get me to doubt that, but I'm saying today, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He tried to get me to doubt my identity. He tried to distract me in the wilderness and take me down. He would have killed me if he could, but he couldn't. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. Ha! It's like Jesus. You hear that, Satan? Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. Come on, somebody raise your hand and say, I'm anointed. Come on, say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on, somebody need the devil needs to hear you say that. Lift up your hands and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and I am anointed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that's it. Come on, rediscover your identity. Rediscover your purpose. Rediscover who you are in God's economy. <laughs> then he said, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, or the year of Jubilee. <laughs> My wilderness is over. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm anointed to preach. I'm anointed for miracles, wonders, and signs. I'm anointed for supernatural ministry. Listen, it's going to be worth it. All the pain, all the sacrifice, all the fasting, all the doubts, all the questions, all the issues. It's going to be worth it because you're going to come out of the wilderness with a ministry. You're going to come out of the wilderness with authority. You're going to come out of the wilderness differently than the way you were when you went in there. You're going to come out with more authority. <laughs> oh. Somebody just lift your hands and receive the word of the Lord right now. Say, Lord, this is a word for me. This is a word for me. I'm still on mission. I'm still on mission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm still on mission. Praise God. Come on. I, I wish somebody just cry out. I'm anointed. I wish somebody cry out and say, the devil's a liar. Amen. Somebody just cry out and say, I have a destiny. I have a purpose. Amen. I won't let the devil water it down. Come on. I wish somebody would scream it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Declare the works of the Lord. Declare it. Speak it. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Come on, if you're in a wilderness, praise him anyway. If you're in a dry place, worship him anyway. If you haven't felt the presence of God in six weeks, go ahead and praise him anyway. Praise him like, amen, praise him like it's all over you. Praise him like you want to feel it. Praise him like you want to have it. Praise him like you want to see it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Oh yeah, come on, something's happening right now. Come on, something's happening for you right now. We're gonna worship this famous God. We're gonna worship this famous God. Hallelujah, this God who's been through his own wilderness. This God who's our supreme example, who's our high priest. Come on, I want somebody to come to this altar right now. You're in a wilderness, you've been through a wilderness, you're going into a wilderness or you know what's ahead for you and you're just gonna get some things settled right now in your spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach. I'm called for the supernatural. I'm called to be used of God. That's it, come on up here. Come on up here. That's it, lift your hands. Lift your hands, lift your hands. Declare, declare the goodness of God. Speak it over your children. Speak it over your grandchildren. Declare the enemy to be a liar and the father of all lies in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I know it's tough times right now, but they're not gonna last forever. It's not gonna last forever. Come on, discover your purpose. Know why you're there. Don't waste the wilderness. And don't whine through the wilderness. God wants to raise up winners. Ha. In the name of Jesus, that's it. That's it, that's it. Authority's coming right now. Revelation is coming to you right now. Understanding is coming right now. That's it. It's working for you. It's working for you. And we know that all things work together for good. To them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. <laughs>